0: Can you be taught to look before you leap, to bite your tongue, button your lip, or think before you speak, and get CME for it? You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Charles Samenow. Dr. Samenow is an instructor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences in Washington, D.C., Dr. Salmanow is a psychiatrist specializing in professional health and wellness. His research has focused on addressing professionalism in medical students, physicians, and other professionals. Today we're discussing a unique CME course offered by the Center for Professional Health at Vanderbilt University aimed at addressing disruptive physician behavior. Welcome, Dr. Salmanow. It's great to have you with us at the Clinician's Roundtable.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: I've heard of people wanting to tar and feather a disruptive provider, but this is the first time I've heard of offering him or her CME. Why was it chosen to be a CME course?
1: Basically, what we noticed were that our state physician health program directors were in a real bind, as well as many hospital executives they would come across individuals who had disruptive behaviors in the workplace, and there really were no resources for them. They weren't candidates to go for six months of inpatient residential treatment for drug and alcohol problems because those problems didn't exist. And many of the things that were in place for the impaired physician, simply just didn't apply to this individual who was clinically very competent, able to carry out their job, but was wreaking havoc all over the workplace. And so Vanderbilt had success with two other CME programs around physician behavior. The first one on misprescribing controlled substances, and then the second course was on sexual boundary violations. And so we decided to apply the model that we had used with those other physician behaviors towards this very important problem.
0: How and when did the program get started?
1: The program has been in existence now for, boy, it must have been about three years that we've had experience. Vanderbilt has been doing CME since the late 1990s and had had experience with those other two courses. But in 2004, the course faculty decided to develop a program around disruptive behavior, and it was probably predominantly through the feedback they had gotten through their work. They've seen over 1,000 physicians from 50 states and Canada. So our faculty has been in touch with health professionals, administrators, physician health program uh, executives from around this country. And so through the feedback from that, then collaborating with psychiatry, behavioral medicine, social workers, addictionologists, we really worked to develop a curriculum that could address this problem.
0: About how many physicians have come through the program in this time?
1: I think to date, we have had, boy, I left Vanderbilt a year ago, and at that point, we had had almost 40 physicians who had gone through it. So I imagine the number is higher at this point.
0: And how do the physicians get there? Do they just sort of call up and say, I think I need a, you know, a CME course?
1: We do have a few self-referrals, but oftentimes our most likely source of referral is directly from a healthcare institution. Originally, many of them were from Tennessee, but now, again, this has expanded nationally. Physician health programs refer and occasionally board of licensures refer. We also will have sometimes treatment centers. A physician may have drug and alcohol problems and they get successfully treated, but there are still behavioral issues that are identified And so a treatment center will send us a physician.
0: Having been sent by someone else, do the physicians come in open-minded or do you first have to get over that hurdle?
1: Most physicians come in very resentful. When you see the first day of our course it often looks like a funeral. Physicians are guarded, very closed, not talking, very paranoid about what will be reported back, you know, often even legalistic. So it is a it's a huge challenge.
0: And how many are in the course at a given time?
1: We try to limit the course to no more than ten, but generally it's you know, six to eight who are in the course. So it's always a small group.
0: Do you think that model works better? I'm just thinking if it was my situation, I'd almost rather be one-on-one and not sharing it. But I know as a psychiatrist and some experience I've had in talking to people in group that it could be very uplifting. The
1: small group format is a wonderful format. And the reason for this is the first thing we allow the physicians to do is tell their story. And for many of them, it's the first chance that they felt that anyone has really even listened to them. By the time they get to us, it's often the disciplinary letters have gone out, the threats, you know, they've been put on the defensive. So they're able to tell their story, and they have an audience there who can relate, because everyone has a story that's similar. And so from that moment forward, there is a connection among the group, a cohesion that really helps set the stage for the rest of the program.
0: Tell us a little bit about the core program. Then you said day one starts out like a funeral. How many days are involved?
1: We do an extensive collateral information from before. So when we get a referral... We don't just take the person automatically. We obviously talk to the physician, but we ask to get information from family members, from their employer. We try to gather information up, one, to make sure that the individual is an appropriate referral because we are not set up to do detox. So if this is really a substance abusing physician, that's a different issue. So we first check for the appropriateness, but then second, we want the information because while the physician has his story or her story, there's often another very complex story out there. And so we like to get as much data as possible. So that's on the front end. Then the program itself is a three-day program, basically full days from morning till afternoon. And we can talk later about each of the individual components. But, you know, it is an interactive, experiential process involving role-playing, assertive training, relaxation techniques, a whole variety of skills. And then it's followed by three booster sessions over a six-month period in which the physicians actually come back and for a half day, you know, sort of share their progress and the change.
0: I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me today is Dr. Charles Samanow from George Washington University Medical Center. We're discussing a unique CME course for the distressed physician. Is there any additional monitoring system that takes place, say, back where they're working?
1: There is. We use a 360 degree tool, assessment tool, and this is something that they fill out, supervisors fill out, colleagues fill out, and then sometimes even their staff, people who are underneath them, fill out. So you have people above them, below them, at their level, and themselves all reflecting on their behavior, and the tool that we use it evaluates a variety of domains of their behavior, and it uh, allows for them and their staff and their colleagues and supervisors to say, you know, these are areas where this individual is good, and these are areas where this individual needs some pretty major improvement. And so they come in with that, and then afterwards, the same individuals are asked to complete that form, and that feedback is provided to the physician.
0: Has any type of a profile of the disruptive physician emerged from this?
1: Again, we do not do a lot of gathering of psychological data and testing data, so I can't be very scientific in our profile. What we tend to see, just observationally, the typical physician is generally mid-aged. Our average age is around 45 years old. Most are males who get preferred to our program, though there are females, and we think that females are under-reported. Our physician's tend to be from a variety of medical specialties. Almost all specialties have been represented, but the more intensive ones, like invasive ones, surgeries, invasive cardiology, those specialists tend to be more represented.
0: Do you think it's because they're under more stress in what they do on a day-to-day basis?
1: That plays a very large role, and because... The physicians who are most likely to get undetected are the ones with aggressive behaviors. And so under stressful situations, people tend to act out and you know throw things or say things that they didn't mean. And those are the things that come to clinical attention the most.
0: I enjoy theater as one of my avocations. I'm used to playing roles. Can you take someone who is a distressed or disruptive physician and say, okay, here's how you're going to act, whether you really feel this way or not, here's your role, here's the part you play in the hospital, and can they do it?
1: I think we do something even better.
0: Instead of directing
1: the physician, we let the physicians see themselves. They get to direct the scene of their own behavior and watch that scene play. Right there with the other course participants, we say, set up the operating room. Have someone play you, have someone play the nurses, have someone play the patient, and have them play your behavior and they watch their behavior unfold in front of their eyes as they directed it.
0: Now, you got their profile from the data you'd gathered previously? We got their profile, so we know if they're
1: not being completely accurate, but we let the physician create the scene. Let's take the moment that right before you got identified as having to come here. Give us an example of you at your most, you know, and, uh, and they'll do it. And I have seen orthopedic surgeons on the floor bawling after watching the performance of their behavior. And so, you know, it's a step. This is obviously not a magic pill that then we have wonderful transformation, but by allowing them to gain the insight of the effect that they are having on others, that starts what we hope is a process of change.
0: That's really great. Now. Just to take it the next step, do you let them do take two and redirect the scene as it should have been?
1: We try to do that. We try to have them come up with better ways of communicating. And if it's not directly in the role play, we do have some you know, very specific skill sets that we treat them, assertive communication, listening, reflective listening, being able to sort of take time outs. Flooding is an important concept that we focus on, the idea that when any of us get our buttons pushed, we often will get emotionally flooded. We can't turn it off. How to deal with that in a more productive manner? So we do some direct skill set training as well.
0: Can you give us the greatest success story you've personally experienced in terms of somebody coming through the program?
1: I have to be very careful about confidentiality, and so without specifics, I can simply say that we have a variety of testimonials and individuals who have months afterwards come back and said, this program really is what changed it for me, you know, and it was the ability to, one, find other people out there who are experiencing this, to recognize I wasn't alone, but two, to be able to really learn about me, the buttons that I have that get pushed how they get pushed, how I handle them. And we've seen some individuals make some very big changes. The best changes we see are those individuals who recognize the role they play. That you know, We had a guy who was working at three different facilities, and he realized that at two of them he was doing great, but at one of them it was a real problem. And so he you know, said, you know what, I don't need to work there anymore. And so he made a choice that was able to you know, enhance the way he performed as a physician.
0: Someone in our audience wants more information. How would they contact the program or who should they contact?
1: We have a website at Vanderbilt at www.mc.vanderbilt.edu slash cph that's the Center for Professional Health. That is our website, or we can just Google the Center for Professional Health at Vanderbilt. And we have a variety of listing of all of our CME programs and then many of our research publications that have come from those programs.
0: I'd like to thank Dr. Charles Samanow, who's been my guest for this fascinating discussion of a unique CME program at Vanderbilt University for the distressed physicians. Thank you for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I leave you with the words of Sharon Anthony Bauer. The basic difference between being assertive and being aggressive is how our words and behavior affect the rights and well-being of others. I invite you to listen to our on-demand library on reachmd.com. Register with promo code radio and receive six months of free streaming audio. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, I wish you good day and good health.